This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You guys already know how obsessed I am with therapy. I talk about it all the time on this podcast about how I have two therapists and how I go to therapy every single week. Well, I've been going to therapy for years, but once 2020 hit, the year of chaos for all of us, I really needed extra support and BetterHelp has really been there to guide me through these chaotic times. Uh, I've been dealing with anxiety, depression, and I also have been in this recovery space for disordered eating and just a host of other issues. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and, uh, and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, so all you have to do is you take a a quick online quiz, you answer some questions about what you're going through, what kind of therapist you're looking for, and you can literally write in the answers, I am looking for this kind of therapist, I am looking for an expert in this field. That's what I did, and they matched me with a therapist who has tons of experience with eating disorders, trauma, and depression. And to be honest, I love my therapist so much. She's probably my favorite therapist I've ever had. And I've been through like a variety of therapists over the years. Me and her really hit it off. And even if you don't hit it off with your therapist right away, because let's be real, finding a therapist can honestly feel like you're dating. Don't worry, you can always change therapists as many times as you need. No questions asked, no charge or anything like that. So you can always change your therapist and then get matched with a new one that day. So BetterHelp uh, is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is literally professional counseling done securely online. And what I love about BetterHelp is that they have a journal feature. So if you're going through something challenging through the week and you don't have an appointment until, let's say, next week, you can write a journal entry. It's all online. It's secure. And if you'd like, you can share that journal entry with your therapist so that they are on the same page. They're caught up. They know exactly what you're going through. They know whatever triggers you've been dealing with over the week. And what's awesome about BetterHelp, too, is that your therapist will respond. So you can actually communicate with your therapist in between your your sessions. So it's not like you only get, get to talk to your therapist once a week. You can check in with them frequently in between your sessions. You can catch them up to date. You can kind of communicate with them every day if you wanted to and the online journal feature is really nice for folks who are new to journaling or just need that extra support so communicating with your therapist more frequently could really benefit you if you're going through a rough time. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available if you are struggling right now. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash vibe. And you can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve the support. 
you deserve the healing and you are not alone there are so many people who are struggling with severe anxiety depression trauma all of these things and you don't need to suffer in silence anymore so visit betterhelp.com vibe for a discount on your first month of online therapy that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash vibe and that discount code will get you 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe welcome to the vibe within podcast i'm your host gab cohen Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone. So let's connect and heal our vibe within. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and if you're new to the podcast, uh, I took a little bit of a break or longer breaks in between my episodes just because I've been going through a lot of transitioning and moving and really honing in on my healing and shadow work and trauma healing, and um, this episode has been cooking in my psyche for quite a bit. I have so many notes and I've been trying to keep all of these thoughts organized in this topic that the the podcast is about today and it's gotten to the point where I have notes in my phone, I have notes in my journals, I have notes everywhere and it's, it's a little bit too much at this point. So rather than me continuing to journal about this and okay let's try that again (laughs) somebody knocked on my door um right as I started to record this episode that's funny so yeah I'm I'm trying to go against um my perfectionist you know part of myself with oh my god like I don't want to record this episode without um getting every little bit of information perfectly you know there's no right or wrong way to go about this anymore and it's just gotten to the point where do I want to help people or do I want my episode to be perfect you know what I mean and it's the the reason why I'm sharing this very very vulnerable part of me is because I'm ready to and because it's better out than in and if I keep it in any longer Um, that's going to be detrimental to my health. Okay, and before I get into this episode, I actually came in here to edit this part in. Um, This is a trigger warning. Uh, This episode could be potentially triggering to anyone who is struggling with addiction or eating disorders or any form of disordered eating. 
Um, I do talk about weight gain. I talk about body image. I talk about eating disorder behaviors. I get very vulnerable about my story, about pills, about alcohol. Um, I do talk a little bit about my sexual assault experience in art school and how that had to do with um, my self-destruction cycles and patterns. So if you are in recovery for eating disorder or addiction and you are sensitive right now, I recommend to honor that, and if at any point during this episode you feel triggered, um, just turn it off and take a break. Um, I don't want you to feel pressured to listen to this episode. I know that many of us are healing disordered eating patterns and addiction and sexual trauma, but sometimes it can it can be a lot. And when we listen to a podcast that is very detailed and vulnerable, it can trigger us. So I want you to listen to your heart. And, you know, if, if you're already feeling very sensitive today and um, you think that listening to a podcast about disordered eating and binging will trigger you, then maybe you wait a little bit. But I do want to say that this episode... Um, I do share many different techniques and thought shifts and perspectives and lenses so that um, I can share what helped me recover from binge eating and recover from bulimia and exercise addiction, which was ruling my life for a very long time. And I was really, really trapped and stuck in a cycle that I felt uh, like I was never going to get out of. So... Um, I just want to to preface this episode with that trigger warning and for you to honor your yourself and honor your boundaries and uh, I feel like I owe that to you. You know, this episode is very vulnerable. Many of my episodes are pretty crazy and vulnerable, but I just wanted to put that out there. And also... One last thing before we get into it, I just want to let you know that I am still moving through the healing process and although I have healed and recovered from exercise addiction and binging and bulimia, I am still struggling with other issues that are based in disordered eating. I do not have the best body image ever, but it has gotten better. And I feel like I'm personally in a place in my life to share what has helped me uh, gain more clarity and a more radically accepting body image. Um, But I just want to let you know, I still struggle many days, you know, it's, it's a constant battle for me. Uh, But that doesn't mean that uh, I have to keep it in and something came over me and just told me, listen, you should just start helping people with where you're at and people can meet you where you're at and you can put out the knowledge and the life experience that you've experienced thus far um, because healing is a never-ending journey and 
although yes there are people who are fully recovered I feel like I do have a lot of knowledge and wisdom and life experience to offer people who are stuck in the cycle stuck in the body hatred binging purging exercise addiction um cycle so you know yes I have healed from a few things but that doesn't make me perfect that doesn't make me have all of the answers it doesn't mean that there aren't several days of my week that I still struggle with body image and um, disordered eating patterns but I try to catch myself before uh, I let my mind run wild and and run in a wildfire of self-limiting thoughts and beliefs and self-ridiculing thoughts so that is my little spiel that I had to come in here and add in. I had the episode all edited and everything, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in there and add this little trigger warning. So, all right, that's it. Let's get into it. I have been healing disordered eating and exercise addiction and binge eating and bulimia for quite some time now. Um, I... I have had different phases of my eating disorder and different eating disorders come in and out of my life at different times of my life depending on, you know, where I was emotionally and physically and, you know, when drugs and alcohol were in my life, um, different types of eating disorders also trickled into my life. So it really, it really does narrow down to your immediate experience you know, where you're living, who's around you, um, your behaviors, your routines, your lifestyle um, can actually trigger new toxic behaviors, new eating disorders, new substance abuse behaviors and patterns. So before I get deeper into how Uh, and the energetics of recovering from binge eating and exercise addiction and bulimia, I want to preface and say that I'm not a doctor, I am not a therapist, I am not a specialist. Um, I just am very, very deeply ingrained and absorbed into psychology and learning about healing traumas and wounds and after 15 or 16 years of dealing with eating disorders and addiction and substance abuse, I personally feel like I am an expert in my own specific way. I'm not a licensed expert. I'm not a licensed or certified professional, but um, I feel like since I've been living through this for half of my life, I am coming from a place of experience. Um, I've lived in this and I've experienced the darkest, darkest moments of binge eating and exercise addiction and the toxic, toxic cycle that uh, we can find ourselves in. And in order for us to heal these toxic patterns that we feel like we're just stuck in and we're not ever going to get out 
it does require some form of change. It does require some form of going against the grain and going against everything that we've thought is serving a purpose, you know, because when I was deep in my binge eating and binge drinking and then, you know, starving myself and restricting and over-exercising, that only led me to binge again or overeat again. Um, Even if I was eating healthy foods, you know, uh, I was also a binge eater during a big time in my life when I was vegetarian and vegan. So it doesn't matter um, what your binge looks like or what types of food you're eating because there's there was moments you know in my deepest parts of binge eating where I was eating quote-unquote healthy foods like hummus and guacamole and all the healthy things that that vegans eat but I was eating to the point where I was physically sick um, and that was because I was starving myself all day long working out all day long, teaching yoga, sometimes two or three classes a day. And then it got to the point where I was neglecting my needs. I was starving myself, um, sometimes not even on purpose, just because I was so busy, which is also another form of self-neglect. And becoming addicted to being busy, being addicted to working out, being addicted to moving the body and sweating and cardio and all this shit. That's just another addiction to um, soothe ourselves away. And I was soothing myself away from my pain, from my depression, from my anxiety, from my lack of, you know, stability in my life. And, you know, during the times I can pinpoint in my experience when my binge eating, my binge drinking, and my bulimia and exercise addiction, when it was the worst, it was because my life, like my physical life, like where I was living, who I was living with, the relationship that I was in, if it was unstable or if I was angry at home a lot it would drive me to want to take it out on my body by working out and starving and, and, you know, over-exercising or just taking it to the extreme because that was my way out of my anger and my pain and my suffering and my discomfort and my, my craving to control things in my life that were out of control, you know, whether it, whether it was roommate situations or work situations or toxic relationships. Um, so I just wanted to preface that and, and explain, you know, that when we're in the mist and we're in like the dark trenches of an addiction or a toxic behavior, usually that toxic behavior is happening because there is something imbalanced in our life um, as far as our immediate surroundings. And a quote that has been really, really helping me find clarity in my healing is, you can't expect to heal and recover in the same environment that made you sick in the first place. And I've been sharing a lot about this on my Instagram and how I found myself 
hitting plateaus in healing my hormones and healing my eating disorder and exercise addiction and bulimia because I was living with my family during COVID for about seven or eight months and it was impossible for me to break past this this healing that I was trying to do because I was constantly being triggered. I was constantly being reminded that no matter how much work I do on myself, no matter how much healing and shadow work and trauma work I do on myself, um, the, the patterns and the cycles that I was seeing play right in front of me and my mother and my stepfather and their dynamic um, is very, very toxic. And I had to remember and remind myself that when I was in high school, my disordered eating um, formed when I was living with my mother and my stepfather. So it's almost like I came full circle. You know, I it started in high school, and I'm not going to get too deep into the beginning of my eating disorder because that was um, more anorexia. And I will record an episode about that, but I am still you know, struggling with symptoms of atypical anorexia, even though I am feeling way different now and I'm totally not in the realms of my anorexia, I truly feel like I have recovered from binge eating and exercise addiction and bulimia, but there's still some some traits and patterns that can be linked to atypical anorexia, which is... um, you know, still restricting sometimes, not doing it on purpose, but just because that is what I'm so used to and I am not trying to put on the front that I'm fully recovered from my eating disorders because I'm totally not. Uh, What this episode is about is how I've recovered from a couple of my eating disorders, (laughs) you know, um, so give yourself credit for the the progress and the victories that you have come to because you know healing is not linear it's it's not just an upward thing it's an up and down thing and i have to keep reminding myself like hey your recovery is going to look different than somebody else's because there's a lot of factors that are going into my particular disordered eating recovery. You know, I will say that since my eating disorder started when I was in in high school, kind of as a protection to myself because I was so angry about what I was seeing in my family dynamic with my mom and her husband and you know, it was just very traumatic and very toxic and very toxic masculine and patriarchy and controlling and narcissistic. And my my mother is a codependent person. Um, so it was very traumatic to see these cycles play when I was in high school. And then when I went through a very, very challenging rock bottom in 2019, I decided that I needed to move to my mom's uh, and my stepdad's in Florida to save money because I was really sick. I was really, really sick. I was depressed. I was in the midst of my binge eating and bulimia and exercise addiction in Philly and very alone, very depressed, just, just just not good. 
So I took it upon myself to bite the bullet and um, I knew that it was going to be kind of crazy to do that, but I only was doing it because my intention was to save money and take advantage of my, you know, my mom who does care about me a lot and she would do anything for me and she welcomed me. But what I had to realize about, you know, seven months in is that there is no way I could heal fully um, from my disordered eating as long as I was there. And I was making a lot of progress while I was there. Don't get me wrong. I was in therapy. I was, you know, talking to my nutritionist, a holistic nutritionist and healing my hormones and trying to get my period back, which I had lost for, you know, uh, over a year. And then before that, it wasn't even that, that, uh, on point, you know, it was very sporadic, but what I'm trying to say is that we have to really take into consideration why it's so hard for us to get out of these cycles. It's not just us. Um, it's not just our fault. It's not just, you know, a lack of willpower or, oh my God, I can't believe I, I, I gave in again and I ate that, that whole bag of chips or I ate that whole pint of ice cream. It's not about that. It's about how we keep going back to these habitual patterns um, and it's because we are trying to soothe ourselves from pain that's happening in our lives, in our families that we can't control so we take it out on our body. So I want to get deeper into my background with um, disordered eating, especially binge eating in, in art school and in college. So I will preface this that after high school, you know, I, I did gain a lot of weight because I was not healthy in high school. I was underweight and after I did get healthy, quote unquote, and gain weight, um, I began really, really hating my body because I was forced to gain, you know, like 30 pounds. I was not happy with that. I was not taught in therapy or treatment how to cultivate radical body acceptance. Um, things were a lot different back then. I mean, I'm 30 now, so this is you know, 15 years ago, um, and people with eating disorders were not um, taken seriously at that time, I don't, in my personal opinion, um, it was just about gaining weight, it was about, you know, stop doing whatever you're doing, just, just very, very spiritually bypassing the whole thing, and so after high school, I went to college, and I started soothing myself with drugs and alcohol and that led me to binge eat. So before I get into that, I want to let you guys know that eating disorders are more prevalent than you realize. And the latest statistics indicate that more than 30 million people in the U.S. will suffer from an eating disorder. Uh, 10 million of those of individuals are men. 
So this means that an enormous percentage of people are on the eating disorder spectrum, but are hiding the fact that they are suffering and they're suffering in silence. And the reason why they're suffering in silence is because they are fueled by shame and anger and guilt that's attached to their eating disorder. And when we oppress ourselves and take away from the potential of getting help or at least expressing our suffering, it can create energetic weight in the body. And and it can put our bodies and minds in fight or flight mode, high cortisol and survival mode. And this can lead to a very you know, deep, deep variety of health challenges. And I'm a prime example of this. And before I get deeper into the binge eating part, I want to say that you're only as sick as your deepest secrets. So if you're keeping this inside, you're keeping your suffering inside, you're actually doing your body and mind a huge disservice because you're literally trapping energy in your body and you're you're not giving yourself permission to express your pain and suffering outwardly so that's why i'm such an advocate for therapy or group you know therapy and and all of that so i will say that if you are suffering in silence and you are wondering why you're stuck in the binge eating over exercising or disordered eating or bulimia um, or even drug and substance abuse patterns uh in my experience, I've just known that the, the more I keep in, the more my body repels against me and fights against me. And the years that I restricted and starved and overexercised, that actually triggered my body into having physical health conditions like Hashimoto and slow metabolism and poor digestion and IBS and inability to digest food properly and you know acne and hormonal issues so our disordered eating patterns can truly be the catalyst or the trigger for all these other health issues so i'm just going to say that um so let it out and just don't keep this shit inside of you So, when I went to college, I hated my body, but I was unaware of that. I was just, you know, very stuck in depression, poor body image, but I didn't understand um, why, you know. But now that I think about it in this moment, it's like, well, I was 18 when I went to art school. That's only two years after um, I was, you know, in treatment for my anorexia. So it really, like, was fresh. And I don't give myself enough credit for for how much I had been through at such a young age. And, you know, 18 years old is still very, very young. And I just, you know, really stepped into my gypsy, you know, Sagittarius, wanting to escape uh, personality at, at such a young age and I escaped my little town in New Jersey because it was not serving me anymore and it was good that I did that but 
Um, there was still so much that I that I needed healing from. The eating disorder, the family trauma, the abandonment, the betrayal, the rejection, the trauma, just so much. And I went to college um, looking at it as an escape, you know. So I used drugs, alcohol, pills, and this really fucked up my circadian rhythm. It it made me resort into very late nights and drinking and, and partying. And this can affect your cortisol levels and your hormones. And at the time, I was actually on birth control. Uh, so the combination of being on birth control, I was actually on thyroid medication as well because after my... Uh, eating disorder in high school, my doctor thought that I had hypothyroidism, which I don't think I did have at all. Uh, If you want to hear more about that, I do have several episodes all about my thyroid journey and depression and medications and stuff like that. So you can go back and listen to um, episode about depression and nostalgia. You can listen to the episode um, about my thyroid healing journey and antidepressants. Uh, so my body had been through so much already. It had been through losing a bunch of weight, then gaining a bunch of weight, then being put on thyroid medication at age 17. That is so young to be put on that. And I have to Remember, in this moment right now, as I'm recording this, that um, my body has been through a lot. And if you're resonating with this and you have been on medications and maybe you're not on them anymore, but your body is going through a lot of physical symptoms and, you know, ailments and, and just a lot of like harsh, harsh things that you're going through, take into consideration maybe the years of your life that you were on prescription medicines and how that can take a toll on your digestion. So not only was the the thyroid medication, in my opinion, fucking up my, my body, but I was on Klonopin, I was taking Valium for my panic attacks, and I was on birth control. And the reason why I was taking clonopin and anxiety medication is because I was having panic attacks that were very physical and body image based. Um, I felt out of control, especially because I didn't feel safe in my body. I felt disgusting. I felt fat. I felt gross um, after being forced to gain a bunch of weight. And I never... I was just never okay with it. I never found comfort in my body. And that's a huge thing that eating disorder treatment facilities are lacking is giving these these people who are suffering with disordered eating, you know, if they have to gain weight, they have to gain weight. But, But what about the piece of body acceptance and cultivating the tools to actually accept changes in the body like that's they're they're missing a huge piece of the puzzle there so that that followed me through art school this self-hatred this discomfort this unsafe feeling this 
comparing my body to everybody around me and asking myself, you know, why can't I get back to feeling thin again? Why can't I get back to my lowest weight again? Because for some reason, um, disordered eating and eating disorders will make you make me feel it makes us feel like once we get back to a really low weight we'll feel happy everything will be fine you know and to a degree I in this realm of eating disorder recovery I feel like it's it's very black and white thinking which can be very toxic you know there's the camp that's that's all about you know who cares if you gain a bunch of weight? Like, just love your body regardless. Um, and telling somebody with an eating disorder that is is just, it's, it's useless, you know. And then there's the camp that's, that says, you know, when you're healing from an eating disorder, you should just eat whatever you want, intuitive eat, intuitively work out. And it really takes time to get to that, to that place. Um... I was not going to sit there and let anyone tell me, just, you know, love your body the way it is. Oh, you gained 10 pounds, whatever. You gained 20 pounds, whatever. Um, That made me want to rebel even more because they were just spiritually bypassing my pain and my discomfort. So I just like to, to say that piece because there's a lot of eating disorder, um, podcasts and books that are all about health at every size and I do agree that that's a great way to to tap into radical body acceptance Um, but for some people gaining weight is not going to feel comfortable and so yeah like I wanted to feel good in my body and I wanted to reclaim power but after years of restricting and starving myself, um, the natural response to that is for the body to go the opposite direction, which is what happened to me in art school. I started binge eating, especially when I was drinking a lot and doing drugs. I gained, you know, the freshman 15 or whatever you want to call it, and I wasn't eating healthy. And I wasn't so much in my eating disorder. I feel like the drugs and alcohol um, definitely took kind of like front burner and my eating disorder took the back burner for most of my um, art school experience. But I still had self-hatred towards my body every single day and I hated, you know, the weight that I was and I was still in the binge restrict cycle so you know I I did great in in art school I got good grades um, but my I didn't eat healthy I was eating very late at night I was binging on unhealthy food from like the gas station our dorm rooms didn't even have like cooking you know Uh, didn't have an oven had a microwave and that's it so I was really eating just like the most unhealthy in my life and that's also why my weight got higher um all the processed food all the late nights all the drugs that's a lot of 
toxic energy channels coming into the body, um, not just from food, from, from all the sex, the toxic sex I was having, from the uppers, the downers, the alcohol, everything. And I was hanging out with really, really terrible people. Um, the first year of art school, I was raped. And this has a huge... Uh, this has a huge, you know, effect on my substance abuse and where it went. So I feel like once that happened, I definitely turned to drugs and alcohol and the binging and restricting cycle even more. Um, I did a lot of opiates, you know, did a lot of coke did a lot of pills, and it was all to soothe myself away from the pain and the confusion um, and the discomfort that I had in my skin. So I like to just drop those things in there because maybe you've experienced some of that as well. And I looking back at my life it's like okay like when that experience happened then my drug use flourished and it got a lot worse you know it makes complete sense but in the moment when we're experiencing these traumatic events we're not present we're not mindful we're not like oh how can I healthily get through this our body gets in fight or flight mode in survival mode and um, my body was in that fight or flight response from age you know 16 to I'm 30 now and I feel like I'm just now finally getting out of that so 15 or 16 years of fight or flight um, can really take a toll on your hormones, on your adrenals, on your, your thyroid, your endocrine system, your circadian rhythm, your overall health. Things start shutting down. Your body is in complete survival mode, you know? So as I was binging and starving and doing drugs, I kept wondering, you know, why do I keep gaining weight? Why, why, why is this happening? And it's like, well, there's very, there's many reasons. All of the, the pills, the thyroid, the birth control, the drugs, alcohol, everything. So now as, you know, as we're sitting here and you're hanging out with me, um, hopefully you are out of that that phase. And if you're still in that phase, this episode is shining light and shining awareness on, on the why, you know, why is my body repelling against me? Why is my body rejecting me? Why am I gaining weight? Why do I feel so out of control? Why am I binging? Why am I all these things? Um, and it's, it's because we don't know any better when we're in the trauma loop. We're we're just trying to figure out ways to deal with the pain and the trauma. So 
I went from restricting and, you know, being a very low weight to, in my opinion, I mean, everybody's body is different. But when I look back at photos of me in art school and after art school, I, in my opinion, looked a little chubby because my body was holding on to energetic weight, cortisol, and not to mention drinking and doing drugs. Drinking is full of sugar, full of fat, full of carbs. Uh, It sticks to the body. And I'm not saying that if you have a drink every now and then, you're going to, you know, gain weight. But in my experience, the more I drank led to me gaining weight and binging and then wanting to starve myself and then wanting to exercise it off. And that vicious cycle just continued on for years. I had no tools to cope. You know, I, I remember... Um, in high school and and even you know in in art school and after college I would obsess about food because I was restricting and I was in that binge restrict cycle and now in this current moment in time I don't obsess about food I don't I don't obsess about what I'm going to eat that day and You know, I do get a little OCD about, okay, when am I going to go grocery shopping? I need to have all of my my foods available, but I don't obsess all day long about food. So what I'm trying to say is when we deprive ourselves, you know, the years of deprivation that I put my body through only led me to the next phase of my eating disorder, which was the binge, restrict, starve, binge, restrict, starve, binge, restrict, starve. And I didn't understand why I couldn't get out of this, this loop. Why? Why am I fucking stuck in this loop? I couldn't understand. And it wasn't until I kept hearing people say, you know, when you're when you restrict and you starve, you are, you know, you're, you're fucking up your metabolism. Your metabolism's going to shut down. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear, well, if you want to fix and heal your metabolism, then you should start eating more during the day. You should start implementing more protein, more, you know, macronutrients and eating more during the day did not seem possible for me because I would binge so heavily at night that, and this was when I was not um, in my bulimia phase, so I was binging and, you know, it was, the food was staying in my body and I would just, you know, go to sleep and wake up feeling absolutely disgusting, feeling like the food was still being digested all through the day. I mean, when I even when I'm even talking about this, I'm like reliving the most traumatic and dark time of my life. Because every day I woke up feeling um like I had sabotaged myself and I was eating foods and lots and overeating and you know, a binge is very uh it's violent, you know? You're you're eating so much food that your body doesn't know how to process what's going on. And 
that has been a big factor in my recovery of binge eating is remembering the trauma that happens to the body after a binge because a binge is only a quick fix in the moment and as you're eating you're totally gone you're in another world you're in another dimension and you're just eating whatever it is and after I was done binging I would realize oh my god what did I do I can't believe I just did this again I feel sick um so I would you know sulk or try to go to sleep or try to work out um and then the next day is when the restriction and the starvation would would start. So trying to tell somebody with binge eating disorder, because binge eating usually happens at night alone. You know, sometimes during the day I would do it, but it was the majority of the time at night. And I know every everybody's experience is different, but I want to get into how I recovered from binge eating. Um... So what I'm saying is try telling somebody with binge eating disorder, just start eating more during the day and you won't binge at night. It's just like trying to tell a drug addict, like, just don't do drugs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just easier said than done when you haven't lived it. So I was stuck in that cycle and Honestly, it wasn't until I stopped drinking and stopped doing drugs because even when I moved to Miami um, when I was 25, I was binging still and my exercise addiction and my bulimia really formed when I was living in California right around the time that I lost my best friend, Lance, um, he died in a tragic accident. And, you know, now that I can pinpoint when my exercise addiction and the bulimia really settled in, it's right around that time. So it really does make sense. But the drinking and the drugs... Um, really played a huge part of the binging and the purging. When I stopped doing drugs and I stopped drinking, little by little, you know, I realized that I didn't need to use food to soothe myself. And I'm, I'm not saying this is an overnight thing. It's definitely not. It's the opposite. It's a gradual thing. You don't heal or recover from binge eating overnight, like like a switch. That's that's not how it works. Uh, so it was just continuing, continually, um, reminding myself that I'm gonna feel better each day that I don't binge, I'm going to feel better each day, that I can nourish my body during the day because I know that that's going to make me feel more satisfied and not feel the need to binge at night. So when I was living in Miami, I was vegan, I was, you know, teaching yoga and I was still binging 
and I was binging on all my healthy foods um, because I stopped drinking and, you know, I stopped doing drugs and for a short period of time, my coping mechanism to heal my pain and trauma was just to overeat, overexercise, and to purge. And I haven't really spoken about this a lot on my podcast or my Instagram because the bulimia part of my eating disorder um, was more of a newer phase of it. There's people who have struggled with bulimia for 10 years. I'm not one of those people. I struggled with it for a handful of years, and I'm really grateful that I consider myself recovered from my bulimia, but it doesn't mean that I'm fully recovered from every type of disordered eating that I have. You know, I still struggle with being obsessive with my orthorexia stuff and like healthy eating and... Um, Like I said, I find myself in cycles of restricting, but not on purpose, you know? So I like to say all this with a grain of salt that, yes, I've recovered from my binge eating and my exercise addiction and my bulimia, but there's other things I'm still working through. So I'm not fully recovered in any sense, but I'm sharing this because I know what it feels like to be stuck in the binge restrict cycle and it can be so traumatizing on the body Um, and purging and bulimia is violent. It is violent on the nervous system, on the body and I found myself purging a lot uh, when I was living in Philly my digestion was so fucked up. My hormones were so fucked up. My skin was the worst that it's ever been in my entire life. I had cystic acne. I cried when I looked in the mirror. And it was all because of my eating disorder. And it was all because I was so isolated and angry and, um, you know... I have to take into consideration all of the factors of why my eating disorder has has been more prominent at certain times of my life. And that's what I mean when I say that healing is not linear because there's been long periods of time where I didn't purge, I didn't overexercise, um, and then there's been times where it started to trickle back in. So, one huge, huge element of healing my binge eating and my bulimia and my overexercising was therapy and going to Dharma recovery meetings and support group meetings. And I know with COVID, in-person support group meetings aren't a thing, um, But there are a bunch of free online meetings, and I will put that in the show notes. But a sense of community and a sense of therapy was really helpful because the more that 
I kept in my emotions and my truth about how much I was suffering with my eating disorder actually resorted me to want to work out excessively um, or binge or purge. And those behaviors and and those toxic ways of living and being was actually triggering my skin to freak out, my hormones to freak out, my Hashimoto, my digestion, my IBS. So the eating disorder was just fueling all of my, you know, disease. It just kept feeding the fire. And in order for me to start healing my Hashimoto and healing my adrenals and my burnout and get my period back, I had to start unlayering and healing the deeper wounds. It wasn't just about taking herbs to heal my thyroid or my Hashimoto or my my skin. Yeah, it's a huge part of what's been helping me, but the first step is to actually start letting go of the power of the the disordered eating and the toxic behaviors by talking about it, by expressing it, by letting it out. Because if we don't let it out, we're keeping it in our body, which is only feeding it, which is only fueling um, the, the disordered eating or the addiction or the depression. You know, if you're keeping it a secret and you're not speaking about it, then you're only giving it more power. And it's feeding the shame, it's feeding the guilt, it's feeding the anger. So you're only, you know, postponing your healing by by not expressing it outwardly. So if you're feeling like you're stuck in that loop and stuck in that toxic cycle, you know, of binging, purging, exercising... I really recommend finding a support system to talk about it because let's just say, let's just say, okay, I, it's okay if you're like, okay, I'm I'm never going to stop binging. I feel like this is going to be my life forever. Okay, whatever. You say that, say it and accept it. And also, and what if you got a therapist and you just started really expressing to them this this toxic cycle what if we don't have to have any expectation of it actually healing the binge eating or the over exercising or the the purging but just what if you took those steps you know you don't know what's on the other side what i realize is that the food and binging Um, it got to the point where it wasn't even making me feel better anymore. It was making me feel sick. I was eating to the point where it made me physically ill. And I have flashbacks to those moments where I felt so incredibly sick from a binge the night before. So if you're in the binge cycle, I recommend trying to anchor yourself down and ask yourself is this actually going to make me feel better and also what's helped me a lot is say I feel very very hungry and I'm like 
I feel ravenous, you know, maybe I went all day long without eating a lot and I'm like really hungry and I'm scared that once I start eating, it's, it's going to turn into a binge. I will start snacking on things like celery and peanut butter or carrots and hummus or something, guacamole and chips. And then I'll take a break. I'll step away from it and I'll actually like go do something. I'll go for a walk. I'll go journal. I'll go work on the podcast. I'll go do some yoga. I'll clean my apartment. And then it's almost like I forgot that I was that I was eating and then if I'm still hungry I will go back to eating so that's also another way that has helped me to kind of shift into this intuitive eating aspect instead of just binging and feeling out of control because what we have to understand is that the binging is like a drug and the drug is going to wear off, right? There's no drug that you're going to take that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. So binging is a form of soothing, but it also is sabotaging the body because if we think about it from a physical standpoint, a biological standpoint, the body isn't meant to have to process these huge amounts of food, you know? And I have moments where I've binged and I've looked in the mirror and my stomach was distended and looked like I had a nine-month, you know, pregnant belly. So I have to remind myself when I feel like I'm teetering into a ravenous kind of hunger, I have to remind myself, listen, you obviously are hungry, so I think that you should start eating slowly, take breaks. There's nothing wrong with taking breaks, especially if we're healing our digestion. I mean, in my perspective and my experience, I can't sit down and eat a huge meal and just like, you know, feel good. After years of restricting and then binging and and the starving cycle, it really took a toll on my natural function of my digestion. So you have to be graceful with yourself and give yourself the time and the space to eat at your own pace. I'm going to say that again. You have to take the time and the space to eat at your own pace. So when you are feeling ravenous, say, okay, body, I know that you're hungry. I'm going to start nourishing you, but I don't need to be ravenous and eat like I'm never going to get food again. Because when we mindlessly eat and we're in that binge, you know, coming back to our center and coming back to this moment and being like, oh, wait, I'm actually safe. Why am I binging? Why am I overeating and why am I eating like this? 
why do I feel unsafe, you know? Because chances are something happened that triggered us. Like, you know, regard, like, I'm not talking about, like, you know, when you're hungry, you're hungry. But when you've been starving yourself all day long, and then all of a sudden you're hit with these huge, you know, ravenous hunger pains, that's a sign. It's like, okay, why have I been neglecting myself all day? Why have I been depriving myself all day? Have I been been focused on other people? Have I been hyper productivity addicted? Have I been, you know, exercise addicted because I don't want to think about things? Is there stress and trauma happening in my life that made me, you know, resort to restricting, starving, and now look, look where I am. I feel like I'm going to binge. I'm out of control. And dropping back into the body and saying, okay, what can I do to nourish my body and also feel safe? Because when we're stuck in the loop of binging and that's how we're nourishing our body, that energy is traumatic. So if the only time that we eat food is quickly and binging and stuffing our faces and then feeling guilty after, um, it's going to make it really hard to, to get out of that cycle and actually eat in a more like graceful and peaceful and blissful way during the day because we don't know what that feels like. Every time that we eat food, it's it's hurry, it's rushed, it's binging, it's overeating, and then what does that lead to? Feeling like shit physically afterwards. Feeling sick, feeling ill, feeling bloated, feeling inflammation. And I'm not going to lie, this still happens to me here and there. You know, I had an IBS flare-up yesterday, and it wasn't from a binge. It was from eating something that I hadn't eaten in a while and I th- and I thought, hmm, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this, you know, and I'm actually not not mad at myself for eating it because now I know, okay, maybe I should have only had a little bit of that. Maybe I shouldn't have had as much as I had eaten. Maybe I should have given my body a little bit more space and time to eat at my own pace, right? So it's not linear. Like there's going to be days that maybe we overeat, we eat a little bit more than, than we want. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we, you know, it's all down the drain and black and white thinking and, oh, I might as well just binge because what is that going to do for us? What is binging um, and, you know, putting our bodies through so much stress, you know, the energetics of binging, it feels unsafe, it feels ungrounded, it feels sporadic, it feels, oh my God, you know, and then once the binge is over, the guilt and the shame all come flooding in. What if we, instead of only eating in that frame of mind and in that energy, we completely rejuvenated the way that we come to food, you know? 
instead of saying, I can't have this, I can't have that, um, what if you allowed yourself to buy some things that you that you never let yourself have and they also have those those single serving um packages of foods now i mean everything has single packaging like nuts and trail mix and almond butter and i used to be the kind of person that if there was peanut butter in the house i would not know how to not eat it and I would binge on jars of peanut butter (laughs) to the point where I got so sick like I remember you know moments and days in in high school after you know treatment and I would if my mom or my dad had um or anybody that, that I was living with even in even, you know, after art school, um, if there was peanut butter, if there was trigger foods in the house, I would feel this like huge magnetic urge to go eat it. And it's like, where does that come from? You know, it's, it's from years of saying that you can't have that food. So little by little, what I did to recover from that mentality is allowing myself to quote-unquote indulge in foods like that so I would buy like single size servings of almond butter single size servings of trail mix single size servings of granola and I would I would be like okay I'm gonna treat myself to this instead of me restricting and saying I can't have it and then that leading to a binge I'm going to allow myself a portion of these foods and see how I feel afterwards so that's just something that helped me a little bit with the binge eating and with the over exercising so I I know firsthand how it feels to deal with anxiety and panic attacks and poor body image and this this urge to like want to escape and like jumping out of your skin crawling out of your skin feeling so shitty about your body and and your weight like I lived in that for years I even like when I was teaching yoga full-time in Miami I hated my body so much and of course I mean I was in the binge restrict purge over exercise cycle so that was also a big portion of why I hated my body but the over exercising was just a cop-out because it was a temporary fix and after I did like hours of cardio I would feel super drained I wouldn't feel anxiety anymore and I wouldn't feel panic anymore because I completely drained myself of that energy by physically like taking it out on my body by running by jogging by you know, using the sauna, I would use the sauna for hours and I was addicted to the sauna. And now, you know, especially with COVID and when I moved to my mom's in January of 2020, I 
really had to, I mean, obviously all the gyms were, were closed during COVID. So I, I knew that I was going to be like, oh my God, I'm not going to have a sauna. I'm not going to have a gym. I'm not going to have this, this outlet to, to work out. You know what I mean? So I, for, for a short period of time, I started doing a lot of cardio and, using that to channel my anger and when I was triggered because I was living with my family in the beginning of COVID I would basically beat my body up and go for long runs and go for five-hour walks and you know just overdoing it and then I sat there and I wondered why why am I not getting my period you know why does my skin look like shit why am I binging still every so often? And it was because I was, again, tapping into that starving, over-exercising routine. And then when I would eat, even if it wasn't a lot, I would get super, super full from whatever I ate, you know, whatever vegan, healthy meal I cooked. And I would get so full that I would get physically sick. So that's a whole other aspect of what disordered eating can do. It can really fuck up the, the functionality of our bodies. And in order for us to get out of that cycle, we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to, you know, tone it down to maybe stop doing everything we've been doing and then and then sit back and see okay what does my body need you know what what kind of exercise does my body need not not what kind of exercise do i feel like i need to do in order to feel happy and not and not anxiety ridden because it got to the point where I was being so triggered in my mother's house by my stepfather and by their dynamic that I would leave the house and again take it out on my body and run and bike and sweat and and this is in Tampa Florida so it's hot it's it's very very hot and it got to the point where I would like exhaust myself to the point where I had absolutely no energy, no emotion, you know, it's that, it's that soothing, um, thing, but it wasn't soothing anything permanently. It was a quick fix. And I, right after my workout, you know, I would take my shower, I would feel better. And then I'd just be triggered again because I'm right back in the same living scenario that got me sick. So I'm kind of coming full circle with what I was saying earlier with um, you can't heal, you can't expect to heal in the same environment that got you sick in the first place. And right now I've created a new life for myself. I'm living in California. I'm subletting uh, an apartment and I have reached a completely new level of healing and I'm very happy and proud of myself to say that I feel like I've recovered from binge eating and exercise addiction and bulimia. But none of that would be possible if I was still living in Florida with my toxic family dynamic. 
And that was a really hard pill to swallow because I didn't want to um, have to move cross country again. But I knew that it's what I needed to do. Because, you know, there was that phase when I was in Tampa that I was dipping back into the eating disorder, into the bulimia, into the overexercising, binge, restrict cycle. And I was like, oh, fuck no. I didn't come all this way to do this. I can't. And I wanted to heal my hormones. I wanted to heal. I wanted to heal my body. I was so sick and tired of, of feeling like shit. And I wanted to heal my autoimmune and my Hashimoto and my thyroid. And I'm still in the process of healing that because that's a lifelong journey. There's no final destination. And especially with autoimmune stuff and um, digestion and all that, it's not going to heal overnight. But what I will say is that a huge piece of my healing from binge eating, exercise addiction, and bulimia was stopping the drugs and alcohol completely. Completely. Just just giving myself the space and the time for once in my life, for once in my adult life, to stop doing drugs and drinking. Drinking will always be there. I you know, maybe one day I will just like be like, oh yeah, I want to have a glass of wine, whatever. But my healing and healing from disordered eating and the autoimmune stuff, that was never going to really start to like accelerate unless I stopped the drugs and alcohol. So that's a huge thing. That's the first step in my opinion, in my experience. And then I had to be really real with myself and say, okay, now that I'm in, you know, when I moved to California, um, I came here first in July or yeah, in July. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to stop the working out. I'm going to stop. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to like really like do this all different because for the first time in my life, I had my own space. I was away from the toxic family. I was in my own like portal. So I began really getting deeper into the healing by slowing down, by listening to my body, by not working out, by just going on walks, lots of rest, lots of journaling, lots of intuitive eating and intuitively moving. And when I started doing that, you know, I was hesitant at first because my, my holistic nutritionist, Lulu, which if you haven't listened to that episode, um, you can listen to that one with Lulu. Um, it's a handful of episodes back, but she was like, listen, if you want to get your period back and you want to fix your hormones and you want to fix your digestion and you want your body to start functioning, you need to start signaling to your body that it's safe and by working out and by beating yourself up and by over exercising and taking it to the extreme and stressing yourself out 
stress was the main cause of why I wasn't healing. And I'm recording this now at the end of August and I got my period last week and it had been over a year. Actually, it was like 16 months since I had gotten my period and I was losing my fucking mind. I felt like every month I had all of my PMS symptoms, you know, weight gain, lower back pain, inflammation, bloated, acne. So I was like suffering with all of the PMS symptoms, right? But I wasn't getting my period. And it's like every month this was happening. And I felt like I was just being tortured. I was like, I just want to bleed. I just want my body to work. I just want my body to function. I just want this energy to be released. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what else to do, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, like, what else can I do? So I kept taking my herbs. I kept not working out, not jogging, not running, no hit, no high interval training, none of that. And lo and behold, I got my period. The craziest fucking thing that I want to say as we're wrapping up this episode is that the day before I got my period, I was journaling and I literally wrote out the sentence and the words, I am going to get my period. I am healing my hormones. I am going to get my period. I am going to get my period back. You know, I just kept repeating it and kept writing it and kept writing it. I am going to bleed. I'm going to bleed. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel this energetic release. The next day, I fucking got my period. I was just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? I can't even make this shit up. And it's just, it, it really freaked me out. It was like, wow, the power of journaling, the power of expressing to your body and expressing to your spirit guides what it is that you fucking need right now. Because I was losing my goddamn mind. I was feeling so fucking trapped in a body that just wasn't working. I did not feel feminine. I felt gross. I felt angry. I felt depressed from 16 months of not getting my period. I mean, it 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 takes a mental toll on your body, on your on your mental health. So, as I close this episode, you know, I can't stress it enough that if you're living in an environment that is feeding the fire, that's triggering you, that's making you react, that's creating anger in your in your life, that's um, creating you to want to soothe, whether it's drugs, alcohol, toxic sex you know, um, eating disorder behaviors, over-exercising, we have to take a step back and be like, okay, 
what can I do to heal my outside environment? Because creating a safe container to heal isn't possible if you're stuck in the same living environment that made you sick. So creating a safe container for yourself to heal and reach new levels of healing, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, digestion related, autoimmune, eating disorder related, we can't expect to make these changes if our outside environment is toxic. That's what it means to create a safe container. And I actually just posted uh, a post all about this on Instagram. If you want to check it out, the day that I'm recording this podcast is August 27th. So if you want to go back and read that post, um, I think it'll help you because we hear these words a lot. Create a safe container, create a safe container. But it's like, how? If you're stuck in this loop, in this toxic cycle pattern, how the fuck do you get out of it? And not a lot of people are talking about how. You know, it took me living in my toxic environment with my family again, and it was like deja vu. It was like I was reliving my high school experience again, and it took me living there for seven months to realize and to have these epiphanies like oh wow there's no fucking healing that's gonna be happening here i've reached my plateau i can do all the inner work i can do all the shadow work i can take all the herbs i can do all the things i can go to therapy but if there's toxic family dynamic happening around you it's only going to keep you in that toxic pattern and behavior when i finally broke free from it and i know that i'm speaking from a place of privilege because not everyone has the privilege to move during this time because money is tight and jobs are not guaranteed um but once i broke free from that and i finally saved money and i finally got to this new portal this new life. Yeah, it's a bit lonely. I had to distance myself from my family, from my mom, who I love very much. But in order for me to heal and (laughs) to reclaim my health, I mean, our health is the most important thing we have. I had to, to move myself away from the toxicity that was happening in that in that household there's no amount of therapy that was going to make me okay with what I was seeing there and I had somebody reach out to me on my my Instagram and say after I posted my the post today you know I am forced to live with my family because I don't have money and she was saying "I, I can't move cross country like you know, what do you recommend? Because it's a toxic living environment. And I said to her, hone in on your healing in every way possible. 
and spend as much time as you can outside. And I'm not saying go work out all day long like I did because that's detrimental to your physical health. What I'm saying is that you can hone in on every therapeutic approach, whether that's going, getting a massage, getting a therapist, finding a therapist underneath your insurance so that's, you know, so that you can get it for free, going to free online Zoom recovery meetings. There's also free meetings that are based around depression, anxiety, OCD, um, adult children of alcoholics, NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Um, There's sex addiction meetings. Guys, there's, there's meetings for everything. And with COVID, I honestly feel like it's made it easier for us to access these meetings because they're all online and they're all free and you don't even have to worry about transportation. You don't have to worry about getting anywhere. You just do them from your house or from your phone or from the coffee shop or on your walk. I'm going to link all of the recovery meeting information in the show notes. I really recommend creating a plan and honing in on that whole part of your recovery, whether you're recovering from trauma, PTSD, eating disorder, exercise addiction, substance abuse, sexual abuse. There is a group for everything. You can find it for sure. It just requires a little bit of Google search. And like I said, I'm going to put what I've found in the show notes. But you can find groups that are targeted towards every specific, um, you know, disorder, mental illness, addiction. I just want to let you know that it is possible to get out of the toxic cycles and in order for us to get out of the toxic cycle, we have to be willing to change, to change what it is that we're doing. And I know that sounds so cliche, but the reason why cliches exist is because they're true. So if you're stuck in a cycle and a pattern right now that you're not enjoying, (laughs) you got to rip off the band-aid and you got to stop doing whatever it is that you know is sabotaging yourself little by little I'm not saying stop everything at once but if you're in the binge restrict cycle starve cycle um you know find therapy if that's something that you don't have in your life find a nighttime meeting so whenever your binge happens say usually binge at night, 10 o'clock at night, click the Dharma Recovery link in the show notes, find a meeting at 10 o'clock, have your tea next to you, have your journal next to you, go to the meeting, and in the meeting, you can literally say that you're not suffering with substance abuse um, issues so much anymore or at all, but you're suffering with... um, binge eating disorder. There's been so many meetings that I've gone to that are Dharma recovery meetings where somebody speaks and shares in the group that, you know, that they have an eating disorder. And 
I always share when I'm at a support group meeting and I'm like, hey, my name's Gab. Yes, I have addiction, a, a history of addiction and substance abuse, but right now I am more so in the realm of healing um, my disordered eating. And nobody's going to say, why are you here? <laughs> that would never happen. Chances are there's going to be another person in that group that has also struggled with disordered eating and binge eating. Everybody has, has binged. Everybody has experienced what a binge is. The difference between binge eating disorder and just binging like during the holidays is that people with binge eating disorder are using binge eating to cope like a drug. When we can detach ourselves from the need to use the binge as a drug and we can shift that that energy, that anger, that betrayal, that upset energy into something else and start nourishing ourselves in a more safe way that feels safe, you know, like I was saying before, then we start rewiring the brain and we start using that energy that we're using to binge and restrict and purge and, and exercise and that whole cycle. We can use it towards being of service. We can use it towards connecting with others. We can use it towards redoing our apartment. We can do it towards doing an artistic project or movement or being creative, you know. So if you made it this far in the episode, I really hope that this helped. I really hope that sharing these thought shifts and, you know, new ways to pivot out of the cycle and a new lens, new lenses that I've been able to cultivate can help you um, get out of the toxic cycles that we find ourselves in. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who is struggling with any type of addiction to a behavior or anything that I've talked about today. I feel like everyone is is being faced with uh, these types of issues and sharing and expressing and being vulnerable and letting it out is a huge piece of the medicine. So don't hold it in. Remember to express yourself in a safe way. Get a therapist, go to the support groups and share this with a friend, a family member. Please uh, subscribe, rate, or review if you're feeling up to it. And thank you so much for just sharing this space with me. And we will catch up soon.